knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hello and welcome to the Truth From The Stand Deer Hunting Podcast. I'm your host, Clint Campbell, and you're listening to episode number 95, brought to you by Wicked Tree Gear. Today, John and I are talking rut hunts and the rut hunt we all envision. So stay tuned. All right, all right. What is up, everyone? Happy Thursday to you. Not Wednesday, but Thursday. Sorry, we're a little a little behind on getting this episode out. Of course, was just getting back from my, uh, my rut hunts, and it was just a little bit behind with getting back into the swing of things at the house and, of course, back at the office at work. Um, so had a lot of things to kind of catch up on and just didn't quite get to this on Wednesday. So uh, we're putting this out on Thursday. Uh, today's a cool show. I'm not going to belabor this up front um, just because John and I have a lot of kind of stuff to, to talk about. Of course, you guys have kind of been brought along on all my hunts and I'll, I'll quickly do a, a brief recap at the, you know, the onset of John and I's conversation because honestly, he and I really haven't talked um, at all during the course of the, the two weeks while I was hunting um, and really just, you know, we were both kind of grinding and uh, one of us had some uh, had some good news, and one of us had some not such great news, um, and we will share both of those uh, both of those with you. Um, John had an epic hunt. Um, I think it's one of those ones, as I mentioned in the in the intro, you know, one of those rut hunts that we all envision. Um, and he definitely had one of those. And the story of that hunt is just kind of kind of incredible, and how it all kind of came together. Um, and and he ended up, you know, seeing this hammer deer, and he. I'm not going to tell you how to end. You have to listen to the podcast. Before we jump into all that, though, let's go ahead and take a quick second to talk about our partners who continue to help us make this podcast possible. We are brought to you by Wicked Tree Gear, the longest, lastest, fastest cutting, toughest tree trimming equipment you have ever used. Simply put, the toughest saws on earth. How tough are they? Tough enough to come with a lifetime warranty. And right now, when you visit wickedtreegear.com, use the promo code TRUTH at checkout and get a 20% discount on your Wicked purchase. We're also brought to you by Exodus Outdoor Gear. The new Exodus Trek is the byproduct of all consumer voices who have been excited about what Exodus truck cameras have to offer, but just can't fit a $200 camera in their budget, and that is okay. A budget-friendly camera backed by the industry's leading warranty is now here. The Trek is $145. It has the same proprietary shell design as the Lift Series camera, 
Same five-year warranty and unmatched customer service, 0.7-second trigger speed, photo-video time-lapse hybrid modes, all with a simple single-line single line backlit LED display. You also get about 20,000 images on one set of lithium batteries. If you'd like to learn more about Exodus trail cameras, check them out at exodusoutdoorgear.com. And if you are digging what you see, you can use the promo code TRUTH at checkout and save yourself 20 bucks. We're also brought to you by Glacier Coolers, simply the world's finest. Whether you're hunting, camping, or fishing, you'll enjoy smarter design, stronger construction, and superior insulation of Glacier Coolers. Visit them at GlacierCoolers.com, promo code TRUTH at checkout, and save yourself 20%. And now without further ado, let's talk some rut hunting. All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of the Truth from the Stand Deer Hunting Podcast. And today, John and I are doing a little catch-up on our rut hunts, uh, or the, the hunting that we've done recently. We've actually not had any conversations during the course of our hunts. We shared just a couple text messages only so we would be fresh when we showed up today. So my brother from another mother, how you doing? <laughs> What's up, buddy? <laughs> I'm doing okay, man. I tell you what, dude. I uh, I was pretty worse for wear when I got home on whatever day that was. Saturday night, I think I got home. Um, yeah. You know, all year long we look forward to like those, you know handful of magical weeks you know and it, we, and i know you and i both hunt outside of those magical weeks we hunt early season late season whatever it takes to get it done right but there's that time period we all kind of get super stoked about and then you hit it and it's like the first couple of days it's like dude you're just you're in it and you're and you're killing it right and it's just like you get all the energy in the world and then you hit like day five of all day sits and you're like oh my god <laughs> you know it's like and it just starts to grind, and then it becomes a uh, a marathon of endurance and, and will at that point to try to get to try to get through it, and then and then you need like a day to recharge, and then and then you already miss it. So I don't know how you feel about the all day grinders, but man, that's how I felt. It's like I could get through like five or six days, and then after that, I was like, I needed to take like a morning off or something. Yeah, yeah, no, you're you're right, but like in your situation, when you're on a traveled hunt like that. You know, you're trying to make the most out of every single day, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, and you're like, well, I'm here, so I might as well be in a tree stand, right? Yeah. Um, but, dude, you're right. After, after for me, it's really, it's like after the third day, all day sit, um, I noticed that my Facebook and Instagram usage is, like, through the roof. Yeah, see, my battery had started to shit out on my phone, like, unfortunately. So, it's <laughs> like, I could get through, like, the morning... And then it was like I needed to put it on battery saver mode to save it because otherwise I was gonna be I was gonna be in trouble, especially because you know for the first part of the hunt I was hunting by myself, you know, back at fam- some family property, so there wasn't really anyone around if I needed to if something happened or whatever. It's like I needed to be able to get a hold of somebody, so I was trying to conserve some battery so at minimum you know I could text the wife and let her know that. It, you know that there was proof of life in the morning once i climbed into a tree and that there was proof of life afterwards as well so but yeah i'm the same way man i start perusing the uh, the social platforms during the uh, course of the day i did take a book and did not read one single page but it went on every hunt with me for 2 weeks not one page really yeah it was uh i had all the best intentions in the world to actually start reading this book cuz i've been wanting to read it it's actually one uh, American Buffalo, I think it's called. Steve Rinella wrote it. Um, I've been wanting to uh-huh. read that, picked it up, and it literally went in my pack for every hunt and did not read 
one single page. It looks like it's 50 years old now because it sat through rain and, you know, it was in <laughs> <laughs> it was in my Ozonics pouch. And so I jammed the Ozonics unit inside the, you know, inside that pocket and it just like crinkle up the book. So it looks like it's gotten well worn. It'll look cool on the bookshelf, if nothing else at this point. But, you know... <laughs> So it's got character now. Yeah, exactly. It's got it's got character. It looks it looks like it's been used. It's, I could lie and just say I read it and re- read the back, you know, and read the back cover, and then you know, say a couple words about what I saw on the back cover, and people feel like I read it, and so then I'll seem smarter than I actually am. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I figured, you know, so there's I've been super stoked to talk to you because you know I, we we shared a couple text messages. I saw your your social posts and stuff like that, um, and so I'm super stoked to see how everything went down in Iowa. I of course did the the daily rut log for my hunt. So I can just kind of give you the, the cliff notes version of what I had going Mm -hmm. on. And then, um, and then I definitely want to dive into the, uh, the, the Iowa story, but the, uh, like I mentioned, I started off on the family property, my dad's piece. Um, that was, you know, at the beginning of the trip, went back there, hunted for three and a half days, uh, by myself there, First year hunting on it, it was really cool. Um, had, you know, the first set on it was I got completely skunked. I didn't see anything. Uh, and I had high hopes for that particular, um, you know, tree that I had picked out in that spot. Um, the year prior, the, all the big deer on the property made it their way through that specific kind of funnel. Um, this year, not so much. Um, I, I also noticed this year, man, the deer were just, the bucks were actually just kind of acting. I won't say acting differently because it wasn't their behavior, but their travel was different than the year before, which was, which surprised me a little bit, the frequency of it. Um, you know, so that was a rough set. Um, cause I had some high hopes for that particular spot. And then I moved to like the back part of the property, which in all honesty, I haven't really spent much time on like the one kind of like Northern part of the property. Um, but I knew that there had historically last year when I scouted had been some scrapes. So I went back there and set up and, uh, was all set up in this super small tree. It was a killer like little assassin's perch man it was like it was a pretty sweet setup and then shortly after first light that morning um i heard something kind of moving behind me um and i caught just a glimpse of the first buck that ran through and then there was another one that came right behind it It was one of the shooter the shooter nine point that i wanted to try to get on um and i only saw him for like a second and then he was about 30 yards away but he was behind trees and i couldn't get any shot opportunities at him and then it was kind of odd because bucks shouldn't be together at that point. So there was a scrape that I noticed like right that I passed on the way to this tree. And then there was a scrape in front of me. So I feel like those two kind of met at a scrape site or coming to a scrape. And the the more mature, that nine points, the, the more mature deer on the property um, pushed the other one off or kind of ran him off is what I'm kind of anticipating happening. Because the first buck kind of like ran by and then the second one, the nine point kind of like ran to the edge of the timber on this logging road and then just stopped and walked like after the other buck kind of took off and then the rest of that day that was like the think the 31st i saw a couple other deer and some you know another buck and then uh i I had seen a spot where deer kind of kept popping out you know that i wanted to go check out um but i wasn't going to make a move quite yet because i was seeing deer so i came back the next morning and hunted that same spot I saw a deer early in the morning and saw another deer pop out. You know, I guess it had been to my east uh, down the logging road out of this little piece of timber. And so since it was kind of like the last full day I was going to hunt the property, I was like, you know, I'm going to go down and check this spot out. Um, And this is where I screwed the pooch, man. Remember whenever we did our what we're going to do differently this year, you know, or, you know, what our plans are. And remember I said I was going to be more aggressive and I was going to try to pay attention to and, and hunt hot sign 
remember do you recall yep. that conversation so yep yep so i went down to check this spot out and as i'm walking down the logging road i wasn't really sure what i was going to see i just kept seeing deer pop out of this one spot and so i walked down i'm like hey there's a rub kept walking i was like oh there's another rub and i looked in the timber at this little spot and it's like and like i said this is a part of the property i've not explored a whole lot it's like huge oak tree and just like i mean there had to have been like 10 rubs, like all in this one little area that was probably no more than like 10, 15 yards, like in terms of like distance, right? It was just like this little, it was like the size of a basement kind of, you know what I mean? And it was uh-huh. just littered with rubs and there was probably like four scrapes within that area alone. And I was like, I think I just found someone's bedroom, you know, cause it was right outside this really thick area or their, their little playground. And the thing was, I finally put two and two together on this property. Like there's a camera that is probably about, 150 yards south of that spot and all the big deer I get on that camera all all the deer I get all the big deer on this property I get pictures of them on this one particular camera and they're always coming from the north headed down past that camera and this spot is directly north of that camera so I think I figured out like where the bigger deer are living and calling home Um, and so you know if I'm holding true to what I said I was going to do I would have, you know, dropped all my stuff, hung up some sticks, jumped in my saddle and, and, and hunted that. But I did not. <laughs> I, but, but I didn't. But I didn't. Yeah. I ended up hiking down um, and actually went and sat the uh, the Wicked Greens food plot because uh, I wanted to check out the uh-huh. camera down there because I did have bucks kind of showing up on one of the cameras down there as well. I got down there, did some scouting and the day got late and it was like... I had all my stuff on my back and I was like, man, I'm just not going to make it back up to that tree in time before it starts to get too late to get, to get hung up. So I just need to hang, you know, get into a tree here near the food plot and and just kind of see what happens. And a couple does came out, but no bucks showed up. And that was the end of the hunt at my dad's at that point. Next day I jumped in the truck, went to Ohio. And, uh, so the hunt at dad's was, was cool. Saw some bucks. Um, I learned more about the property that I think I'm, a much better position for a hunt for next year. And to me, that's kind of like part of what I needed to get done on this property it was like, I just needed to hunt it and spend some time on it. That way I have a game plan for next year um, and, and learn a little bit. And then jumped in the truck, drove to Ohio and uh, checked my camera. I know we did share some text messages over this man, but I found, I had a couple deer. I text you a couple of the deer that I had on camera when I checked them and your response was shoot them, shoot them. So <laughs> shoot them. <laughs> um, so that I was attempting to do that, um, and uh, the first day I, I passed a, an eight point. Um, he came, you know, at very first light. He I saw him at five yards, had a shot opportunity at fifteen, was f- at full draw on him um, until I kind of gauged him to figure out how old he was. And you know, my goal was to try to shoot a three and a half year old, and I really wanted that that you know that one of those two bigger deer that I had texted you, and uh, and so I. You know, I drew back on him until I, you know, realized he was probably just a two and a half year old, and then let him go. Um, you know, had a couple really good sits there, man. I can't complain about the hunt out there. I was I was in deer pretty much every day. Saw bucks, I think, every day but one. Um, I, you know, I was set up on a doe bedding area that in a, on a travel corridor between two two bedding areas, two doe bedding areas. Mm-hmm. So I was in deer pretty much every every day. Um, the biggest thing that I did, again, I didn't follow my own advice, which earlier in the year I said I was going to be aggressive. And as I was sitting there, I was thinking of making a move to a tree that was just to, you know, I guess it would be to the um, west of me. 
maybe 30 yards. I just needed to get on the other side of this like old logging road that was just overgrown and I couldn't see across because it, it seemed like, you know, that was where I had a camera set up over on that side and I was getting a lot of, that's where all the buck pictures were at. And, and it always seemed like when I saw deer, when I saw bucks, even the two years ago when I hunted this spot, they were always already kind of in the timber behind me, like in the brush. And it was like, they were making sure. the turn like 30 yards before me, you know, to kind of dip back in, in there because it does open up just a little bit where I was set up at just to kind of avoid being in the open. And I forget which day it was, but I was like, you know what? I need to move over there and just, and get set up over there. But the trees are so small that it was hard to find a tree. So I didn't get set up over there. And then of course, I think I texted you that night as well. I saw a hammer eight, um, point that rolled through. And if I would have took my own advice and moved that set, that first night that I thought about it, I would have been in position to get a shot at that eight point that the following night. So again, you know, my not taking my own advice came, came back to bite me in the ass. And, uh, I ended up moving the next day and did have an eight point come in. But again, he was a two and a half year old. So let him go, had another buck walk in. And that was the last day that I was there. Um, and, uh, I guess I had two bucks come in that day and, and a handful of does. And then I had to jump in the truck and kind of leave and come back. So overall it was a good hunt. Um, saw lots of deer, saw bucks, saw shooter bucks. Um, it was just one of those things where I just, I didn't make the move when I should have made the move to put myself in the chips. Um, you know, and so it's, that's the hard lesson learned of hunting public land when you don't necessarily have all the everything figured out to a degree, you know what I mean? It's, um, but I can't complain about it, man. You know, I'm going back out over Thanksgiving to hunt a couple of days and try to get back after it again. Um, so hopefully, you know, things turn out a little bit better on, on that part of the trip. Um, but if I had to end the hunt or if the, if the Ohio season ended today and I didn't get a chance to go back out, it's like, I, I'm happy with how it kind of went. And I learned some good, valuable information for the next time I head out there. So, and I know I have a hot spot cause I'm in deer every year that I sit there. So that's kind of my, my recap hunt, man. It was, uh, it was a lot of fun, a lot of hard miles, a lot of long all day sits. Um, but, uh, I come home with, uh, with tags in pockets still. So that is, uh the the rut story for clint as of now as of as of now yeah. gotcha as of now to be continued yes to be continued and hopefully we write a little bit better of an ending but i'm more interested to hear about what you, well first if you don't have any questions i'm more interested to hear what you have going on in iowa well what about uh so chad i mean that's the one nice thing though about a destination hunt is being on a destination hunt with a buddy yeah so at least you get your spirits lifted each day at the end of the hunt you talk about either what you saw or didn't see you Mm -hmm. know and and the 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 i guess the hunt camp uh camaraderie you know what i mean that's always a cool deal yeah man and it dude you know it's i'm looking forward to coming out to iowa to hunt hunt with you i feel pretty fortunate you know that i have some some good hunting buddies, you know what I mean? Cause it's hard to share a camp with people, yep. you know what I mean? And that's, yep. that's one oh, it is. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you have to find the right people that you mesh well with, you know what I mean? Especially when you're doing some of these public land hunts and you just know the likelihood of getting run over by deer is just not real high. You know what I mean? So it's like, you're going to have days where you get shut out, you know what I mean? And you, you can't, you don't want to yep. be hunting with a, with a dude that comes back all pissed off when he doesn't see any deer. I mean, that's hunting that happens. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, um, uh, a little side story. Uh, I went to a casino one night, uh, one of those deals where you get on the boat and you kind of like you're on the water for a little bit, you know, then you come back, you know, to, to right, the bank. But, right. Um, 
I went and I only brought like a hundred dollars and I thought, well, if I lose a hundred, hundred bucks, then I won't be too terribly mad at myself. And right. you know what I mean? I'll yep. write it off as a hundred dollars of fun. Yep. So I ended up winning like seven or 800 bucks that night. Nice. And the other three guys that I went with, um, their total loss between the three was like four grand. Ooh, that hurts. So the <laughs> two and a half hour ride back home, I mean, I'm like giddy as all hell. You know what I mean? Right. I'm like, I won $700. You know, I'm thinking I'm loaded. Yeah. And it's like all somber because they all lost money. So they're, they're like, shut up, Mulligan. Right. Nobody wants to hear about your winnings. Shut up with your stupid <laughs> <So>. happiness. <laughs> yeah. 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 So. Yeah. But yeah, dude. Check. Yeah. So it, it, you know, but I tell you, whenever you come hang out with me for hunting next year, um, on Friday nights, we'll be watching Gold Rush. Nice like it uh thursday nights depending on what the uh what the guidos in jersey are doing but we might be watching jersey shore <laughs> okay um, <laughs> nice. that's my guilty pleasure dude nice. like i watch jersey shore to like feel better about myself exactly and then, um i watch gold rush because that's like that's my that's my thing if the shit hits the fan i'm getting a dozer and, <laughs> and, a, and a, a mining uh some some kind of a uh, mineral of some uh, sort, a lease somewhere, right? Some claim, and I'm gonna go look for gold. That's I, I love the plan. It's awesome. Yeah, dude, I'm looking forward yeah. to come out and hunt with you. And Chad, dude, he's like, yeah. he's one of the best dudes to go hunt with because he's yeah, man, he's he's fun. Yeah, he's fun, and he's just a grinder, dude. Like he's just you know he just gets after it. But the dude has like he's a rodeo cowboy. Yeah, I mean, dude. dude, you ain't gonna outgrind no rodeo, man. No, no, exactly. But the dude has the worst luck. So, so this uh, one quick story about like what he had going on. So he had we had some cameras set up when we went out and scouted this past summer or spring, and then we went back out in the summer to kind of do a second scout. And mm-hmm. he had some cameras hung up, right? So when we went out in. I guess it was August when we went back out to kind of re kind of check things and, you know, hang some additional cameras. One of the places that we went, they kind of came in and like dozered a bunch of roads and they were sectioning some of this property off for, for sale. And, and so I was like, Oh, that's kind of a bummer. Cause some of these roads kind of changed how the deer were going to move and stuff like that. And so Chad was like, well, I'm going to hang cameras in here anyway. Cause there was a couple different pieces that he wanted to, you know, kind of scope out what cal- what the caliber of deer were. So he hung those cameras and then we went to scout this other piece. And I think I mentioned it on a previous podcast where it's like, we might have to use a boat to get in. And first off, like we didn't even, I took the canoe all the way there and we never even used it because dude, I got out there. We've had so much rain that the, the river was angry. Like, and there was no way mm-hmm. on God's green earth. I was getting into a canoe um, to hunt this year. Like it just wasn't happening. Like it was just, there was, there was safety concerns. We just put it that way. Um, mm-hmm. and so this one piece, we didn't get the scout. So when we, when we were going out to hunt, you know, one of his plans was, is like, Hey, I'm going to check this piece out. Like first thing, like the first kind of morning or not the first morning. I think he went and sat up in like the first spot. And whenever he got there, he went to go ch- pull his cameras and like hang a set. And when he got there, that property had been bought, was posted and all of his cameras were gone. So like, well, the one camera was gone and he didn't even go check the other ones because there was posted signs when he went to kind of walk the, the, uh, the, the path to get into like where he hung his cameras. So chalked up three cameras to a loss and he was now out of like the spot that he had like originally scouted goes to this other piece that was, we thought we were going to have to have water access. He found another way in and went to the first place. Didn't see any deer hung a camera, went and hung a second set. I think he saw a couple deer that evening. Um, 
but then ended up literally went back to that the next morning and literally had this he has it on film too there's like this grandpa with like two kids walking through like just straight up bushwhacking the brush on their way to him just making all kinds of noise and then all of a sudden the grandpa's like well there i see i think i see foot tracks and so he starts following the foot tracks doesn't ever see the stand and walks right up to the tree and looks up and chad's got the camera on him and the guy about crap this paints like oh my god there's someone in that tree and uh and so that was his like other hunt that he had going on so then he was like you know what he's like i'm gonna go this other route and the where we were gonna go in over the water to make the access really short he's like i'm just gonna hike it dude and the dude hiked like 1.75 like a, a mile and a quarter in right in the dark gets in there hangs a set light comes up and there's literally a dude 100 yards from him literally like 100 yards away a guy set up in a tree stand he's like you gotta no way yeah dude you think you walk a mile and a quarter in somewhere or a mile and three quarters in somewhere you think you would be pretty safe to not like run into people but there was a guy set up like 100 yards away chad attracts people like anything i've learned about chad hunting with him if you go hunting with him people will find him in the woods doesn't matter how far he hikes or where he goes like there will be he will have multiple encounters with people so that was that was kind of that was kind of brutal and the other thing the odd thing about him do you use a headlamp when you go in um the only time i use a headlamp is if i'm going deep 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 into public Mm -hmm. and there's so much deadfall that you know you may you end up making more noise um without a lamp than you do with a lamp and when i say i have a lamp on the lamp is solely pointed at my feet only yeah yeah now see that's how i do it but i use one every day like chad never uses a light ever and I don't understand mm-hmm. how, how people do that. Like, I can't see anything if I don't have a headlamp. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, and dude, like I said before, he's a grinder, man. So it's always good going to hunt with him. Like, he's just, and he's he's a, like you said, he's a rodeo dude, former Division One football player. Like, the dude's just a beast. It's like he glides across the ground. Like, going to scout with him is not fun because that dude just takes off. And it's like, I'm like sprinting to try to keep up with him, essentially. Um, you know what I mean? Cause he's just, a, he's a big dude. You know, he's got a long stride. Dude, I hunted a set last year that he hung. And when we were hunting this other piece of public and I took three, it took me three sticks to get to his top two because he had, cause he's so freaking tall. He hasn't spaced out so far. Um, but he's a lot of fun to hunt with, man. It's always a good time with him. Unfortunately, he, he saw some deer, he saw some bucks, but it took him a few days to kind of get, get some things kind of situated and figured out cause he was running into people. But but enough of that, man. Enough of the Ohio hunt, dude. I want to hear about. I want to hear to just start me from the beginning, like of like your your rut hunt since the last time we talked. So what what was happening in, in, in Iowa? Before we continue our conversation, let's talk about Wicked Tree Gear saws. Hardcore deer hunters need tools that can keep up. We don't baby our gear, taking whatever Mother Nature dishes out. Check out Wicked Tree Gear hand saws and pull saws at wickedtreegear.com. Use the promo code TRUTH to save yourself 20% on your next purchase with free ground shipping. And get a saw that's tough enough to work as hard as you hunt. Okay, so um, I had a bunch of cameras running on my lease down the road. um, And I was hunting a lot on my personal property. I had a really good, uh, and to my knowledge, he's still running around out there. I haven't done a card pull in four or five days. Um, there's a double beam buck that I've been, I was trying to actually get with my landowner's tag and he was starting to get really, really close to daylight. 
you know, and I'm thinking, man, one of these cold mornings is going to be just enough to get him uh, going to bed late or getting up early, you know, something like that. So I was hunting on, um, I was hunting on a green field and things just weren't, they just weren't playing out there. Then we started getting a whole bunch of rain here, um, right around Halloween in the first part of November. And I'm thinking, man, this sucks, you know? Right. Um, so finally, uh, one of my good friends, Tyler Flynn from Wisconsin, he came down and we were checking out, um, checking out a couple of trail cameras. He got here and we really didn't know where to go. So I said, well, let's go check a couple of cameras and see what's been moving the last 24, 48 hours. And maybe that'll give us a sign as to where we want to go tonight, you know, looking for the latest Intel and the double beam buck had showed up on the lease which is about a mile and a half from my house. So I'm like, that's weird. So I look at the camera, and he's daylight walking on October 29th at 5.30 in the afternoon. Hmm. I'm like, you you punk. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I've been trying to kill you on my at my house, and here you are day walking over here. So then I went back to my house, and I said, you know what? I'm going to pull those cards, too. I just pulled them yesterday, but I want to pull them again. So I swapped out SD cards. What I found out that it took him five hours to go from my house to the lease, and then five hours later he was back at my house. Hmm. So five hours to do a mile and a half. So I'm guessing, I don't know exactly the far ends of his his loop, but I would venture to say that that my house and the lease are pretty close to the ends of his loop. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty Um, fair. Yeah, so I'm like... This guy's just tearing me apart. So Tyler and I started looking at the aerials and looking at the topos, and we identified this little finger of timber that could very well be on his way. Uh, it could be a nice transition area. If deer are going from my – if they go from my house to the lease, this is a logical place that they could be coming from uh, on north winds. South winds, we got, we got no clue, but on north winds. So we had a bunch of north winds coming in. So we hung, uh, hung the set, hunted a couple of days, and we saw some decent bucks, but they were really far away in the field, and there's some standing corn out there, and we didn't have anything, any shooters. We had does, you know, covered up all over. So I ended up shooting a doe uh, one morning, and it was nice just to go ahead and kind of break the ice of the season and everything. Right. So Tyler had to go back to Wisconsin. And a couple of days later, a good friend of mine, Billy C. from Wildest Dreams TV, he had already tagged out. Uh, He lives north of Des Moines. He had already tagged out. So he called me and said, hey, I don't have a tag. Um, I want to come down there and run a camera and sit in a tree with you. I have a feeling you're going to kill something in the next couple of days. So I'm like, yeah, dude, come on down. You know, I love hunting with guys, you know. Right. And, uh so he came down and he's like, "What? Let's let's check out what you, you know what you got going on." And so we sit this one stand that evening, and um, he's like, "What are you thinking?" I'm like, "I think we need to go back there tomorrow." Same same stand, and he's he's like, "Yeah, dude, you know I, I agree. Let's rock and roll. We got a good win for it." Which now, all right, so which, now we're on November eighth. So which stand? Which stand we, is this? And where this is on? It's it's on the lease. Um, it's on the west side of my property over there um which it's if if you go directly east you have 300 yards of alfalfa and then you have three acres of standing corn and then you have two acres of wicked greens 
they're all kind of in a line and the timber is all around us, you know, on the outs, uh, the outskirts of the property. Is this the same stand that you hunted with Tyler or is this a different stand? Same stand. Same stand. Yep. Okay. All right. Got it. Yep. Same stand. And, um, so we get out there in the morning and, uh, did, did a little misses. I freshened up some scrapes on the way there, which I love doing. Um, I had to walk past the scrapes, so you might as well freshen them up, freshen them up with some dopey. And we get up in the tree, get settled in and it's just getting to that, like, you know, civil light and you can start to, you know what? I, I think I could see my peep sight. I could possibly shoot something at this point, you know? Right. And we see, uh, we see one little buck, little two year old comes cruising by, but he's kind of in a hurry. And I, I look back at Billy and I'm like, dude, this is, this is a good sign. You know what I mean? Right. He's not, he's not walking. He's, he's cruising, you know? Yep. Um, so I said, dude, let's, you know, it's time to wake up the woods. So I crashed the antlers together. Two bucks come in, a two-year-old and a three-year-old. And I almost felt bad because the two-year-old almost got his butt whooped by the three-year-old. Um, <laughs> nice. And the two-year-old finally had a brain and was like, I'm getting out of here, you know? So he, he boogered out and the three-year-old stayed there and, you know, all bristled up and, licking his chops with his ears pinned back. You know, he circled him for a little while. Then he, he, he boogered out. So I crashed the antlers together again. Another buck comes in and we got this one on video where literally it's like clink, clink, clink. There's a buck. Wow. I mean, it was just crazy. They were just busting. Cause like I said, I'm looking at field. I'm looking at timber edges all around me with the exception of the standing corn that's way out in front of me. Um, so I can't see they they all must have been really really close to the field edges and as soon as I started rattling they poked their head out into the field edge you know wow. so how, let me ask you this like how often mm-hmm. is rattling something that you've had like good responses to in the past or or no if I if I had to take my entire bow hunting career I would give rattling a 10% success rate uh, maybe even 5%, um, hmm. overall, right on particular, if I could pick and choose the days, then I could say, okay, let me, let me pick five days over the last 10 years. And I had 65% success. Right. Hmm. So, um, that's my thing is if it, if it works, um, then for the next 48 hours, I'm going to do it like every 30 minutes. Right. Okay. And so after it, it had worked like the third time, I, you know, I'm just like, today's that day. Yeah. Today's the day of the season. You know, yep. there will not be another day like this. Um, we, we did a couple of tending grunts and it was such a nice, it's, it's such a nice setup because we can see an open field but we're actually kind of sitting in the timber. Mm-hmm. So we can do some tending grunts and, you know, you always want to create that like uh, realistic impression, right? Right. If I was sitting in a ground blind in the dead center of the field, I think, I don't think it would have been as effective, but we could do some tending grunts and some rattling. And those deer were thinking, okay, these bucks and does are just inside the timber that we can't see them. Right. Right. Um, so, we do a couple of tending grunts. Another buck comes out. 
I rattle again, and that three-year-old comes back again. He's fired up. And I'm just, you know, I'm just blown away. So we're up, at this point, we're at six bucks, and three of them we've seen twice. And so so what what time is it now at this point? It's not even 7.45. Jeez. (laughs) This is all in the first 45 minutes. That's amazing. I mean, every... The longest we ever went was was maybe two minutes without ha- without visually seeing a deer. Wow. Um. So, Billy, uh, Billy's a licensed Iowa hunter. So in Iowa, you have to if you're going to do any calling or rattling, you have to have a hunting license. You know. Okay, interesting. I didn't know that. Um, yeah. Yep, yeah, yeah, it's kind of interesting. Uh, basically, if you're contributing to the hunt, you yeah, know. Yeah. I mean, they can run a camera without a license and be a non-resident or whatever. You know, it doesn't matter. Um, but if you're going to do any calling or rattling, you know, you got to have a license. So, you know, he's a licensed Iowa hunter. And um, anyway, so he 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 blew he blows on uh, on a grunt tube, and um, this buck pops out from 300 yards away, and he's like, "Do you want me to grunt at him again, or do you want to let this play out naturally?" And I'm like, no, "Screw that, dude!" Like. The grunt is what brought him out of the timber, and he's starting to walk away, grunt at him again. So he grunts at him again, and he just locks up, looks our way, and starts running in like Michael Johnson (laughs) from 300 yards. And he's just charging in. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, probably Uh 145-inch eight-pointer, four-year-old. And we're thinking, you know, he's going to give me a perfect 20-yard shot right inside this alfalfa field which is genuinely it's it's the way that tree stand was set up it was it was set up for that shot at the last second when he's still about 20 yards north of me he turns hard right and turns into the timber Hmm. and he's still he's 20 yards away and he's broadside directly north of me and i have no shot zero shot i mean i'm looking I'm squatting down. I'm looking. I'm looking for a little two foot by two foot hole, yeah, you know, yeah. somewhere. Yeah. And I don't have one, so I'm like, ah, the only chance we got is to let him keep going, looking for this buck and doe, and then we can try to call him back. Maybe we can get him back to come back into the field because once he's in the timber, he can see what's in the timber. He's going to have to bust out into the open field to see if maybe they're out in the field now. Well, we try calling back at him and and the game's up. You know what I mean? He I think he knows he knows what's up. So instead of further educating this deer, we just have to let him go and hope maybe he'll come back in on his own. He doesn't. Uh about an hour goes by and we haven't seen another deer. So it was kind of that magical hour where it it you know, it's like walking into a room and turning the light on and just watching like cockroaches scatter everywhere, you know? Yeah. We literally walked in and just turned on the light for an hour. Um, And I think one of the, one of the analogies that I used in like one of my interviews, as I said, it was, uh, and and I steal this from my buddy, Mike, uh, Mike Marler. He, he just won the world of outlaw championship, but um, 
This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. In one of his interviews, it was perfect. He said, it's kind of like the music's about to stop and they're looking for a chair. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's kind of the way those, those bucks were acting. They were like, I got to find a girl. I got to find a girl. I got to find a girl, you know? Yeah. Um, I've only ever, so, I've only ever experienced anything like that one time. And it was actually on that same piece in Ohio two years ago where uh-huh. there was like a, there was one day in particular where it's like every time I had deer grunting behind me and every time I, they would grunt and I would respond, one would run in and it was the same thing. It was like, it was literally like an hour. It was like the first hour. It was just like, it was on, yep. you know, I ended up killing my deer yep. that day, you know, in the afternoon he came in on a grunt, but it was the other days there was activity, but like, I know what you're talking about, man. It's just like, it was like anything I did, they responded to it, which is just mm-hmm. in, insane. Oh, I- I could have played Kanye West music and they were going <laughs> right. to come in. It didn't matter. It it didn't matter what sound we made. I mean, dude, we were snort wheezing. We were grunting. We were short tending grunts. We were long grunts. We were rattling. We were crashing horns. It didn't matter what we did. And they were coming in. Wow. Um, it was just so awesome. And which day was this? Uh, this was on November the 8th. 8th, okay. And... November 8th of 2017 is the date in which I shot the biggest buck I've ever shot in my life, and I did not recover. Oh, wow. Okay. So that was in the back of my head all morning long, is I'm like, well, at least now November 8th has a little bit better memory to it, you know? Right, yeah. Um, But I'm also thinking... You know, we talk about target panic and stuff like that. That was also in the back of my head all day is I'm like, what if a nut, what if a buck comes in? What if I shoot and wound a buck? You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Um, so nonetheless, Billy, he leans over and he goes, Hey, I don't, I don't mean to be like a total jerk or nothing here, but, um, you, you're kind of like Mr. Wicked tree gear <laughs> and you don't have a shooting lane. Right. And it, and it's one of those deals where I'm like, it just didn't seem like a spot that deer would come through, right? Mm-hmm. So that's why a shooting lane was never cut there. Right. Um, anyways, I said, you know what? Let's, feel, it's been about an hour since we've seen anything. I feel, I feel this is, a little this, foreshadowing happening here. Yeah. I said, this <laughs> could be a bad move, um, but let's get out of the tree. Cause I want to go get a pulse all and let's get out of the tree 
So we went to the local Casey's general store. We loaded up on some biscuits and gravy and some donuts and hot coffee. Nice. And we came back to my house, relaxed just for, you know, for a half hour or so. And I said, all right, it's 11 o'clock. Let's go. So we grab the pole saw. We go back to the stand. And he's trimming out a couple of lanes. And then I went ahead and climbed up in the stand to, you know, hey, that branch, that branch. Yep, go to the next tree, three branches up, cut that branch. You know what I mean? Right. Um, making sure that I've, I've got everything that I need, you know, from, from my, from my set. And so he's, we've got everything done. He climbs up the tree and brings the pole saw up with him. And, um, he's like, Hey, there's a branch above you that I want to cut. And I'm like, do you really need to? And he's like, yeah. Cause if a buck comes across the field, I'm not going to be able to get good video footage of him running all the way across the field. Right. And I'm like, okay, well, whatever, you know, if you, if you need to cut it for your camera angle, like it doesn't matter to me, we're, we're probably 26 foot up anyways. Right. So at this point, you know, I, I don't worry about cover that much, you know, mm-hmm. when, when you're, when you're up there pretty good ways. So I said, screw it, you know, cut it. So I grab his camera and I'm thinking, well, I'm just going to do a little bit of filming and I'll film him cutting, you know, get some slow motion, you know, the wood shavings coming off the branch. You know what I mean? Right. Right. We might need to stretch that out and make that one minute of an episode. Right. Right. Cinematic effect. Right. (laughs) Well, as, as I'm getting ready to hit the record button and start cutting, he gets through the branch. Now, nine times out of 10, when you cut a branch, it falls straight down gravity. Right. But if the branch has a whole lot of growth on one side of it and none on the other side, when they start to fall, they, they, they will twist and roll, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So this branch is about a three inch caliper branch. It twists and rolls and it's just rocks my bow. Oh, geez. Just slams my bow. My bow's hanging on a bow hanger because we left everything in the tree, right? Right, right. So I've got an arrow knocked in everything. It slams my bow hits my arrow, knocks my bow off the hanger. And I did one of those things like out of the corner of my eye where I see it falling. And I just threw my arm out there, like in this feeble attempt to catch this bow. Well, like my finger goes like right underneath the limb. And one of my fingers goes inside the cam. Jeez. (laughs) And I catch my bow before it falls. And I'm like, holy you know, right. I'm like, oh, my God, that's a close one. Like, that would have just destroyed my stuff, you know? Right. So Billy's like, oh, my God, dude, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. You know? He's like, is your bow okay? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I think it's okay. I was like, I think it just knocked it just knocked the arrow, you know, right. off the knock. No big deal. And I look down at the ground. I see my arrow laying there. I'm like, hey, I got four more in my quiver. No, no worries. I pull another arrow out, knock it set it on the shelf, go to flip up my HHA rest. And I'm like, hmm, something doesn't look right. So, you know, like on a drop away rest, you got the two prongs and, you know, the arrow goes in between that fork, you know? Yep. Well, one of my fork sections is snapped off because when that limb hit the arrow, it puts so much pressure on the arrow that it's, and it's so cold out. Right. You know what I mean? Yep. It snapped that plastic flip up deal. And I'm like, uh, eh, eh, it'll still hold my rest in the middle. You know what I mean? It's still doing what it needs to do. As long as I don't try to shoot like, um, 
like I'm from Compton, right? Um, <laughs> it'll still hold my arrow right, right? And, um, but then I'm like, eh, something doesn't seem right. My arrow, my my rest is actually bent. Oh, that geez. bar that you know that holds that fork, yeah. it's actually bent down as well. Now, uh, disclaimer. No, this has nothing. This is not a knock against HHA rest. This was a four-inch caliper branch. Yeah, that hit my rest square. Yeah, I mean, there's not a rest out there on the market that's not going to be either be off, yeah. or bent, or damaged, or broken, or something. You know what I mean? Yeah, getting hit by just a, an unfortunate situation. Yeah, getting hit by a fallen branch is uh, is 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 cause for damage. You know what I mean? So no matter yes. what, no matter yeah. what it is, so. So he's like, dude, are, are so you're not good? I'm like, no, I'm I'm not good. Like I can't I can't shoot this thing. I and I can physically move my wrist like a quarter of an inch side to side. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And I said, dude, no, dude. I I'm I. He's like, oh crap. He's like, oh my god, John. You know. And I felt so bad for him because he's like, dude, I'll buy you another wrist. I'll buy you another wrist. Like I'm like, dude, it could have happened to me. Right. You know what I mean? Like. It didn't matter which one of us cut that branch. It was going to fall the way it did, and it it is what it is. I said, so instead of worrying about that, we just need to get down and get to a bow shop immediately. Right. So this part I'll do kind of fast uh, because that's how fast I was driving. Right. Um, (laughs) We've got to go about 30 miles north to to the bow shop. So while I'm driving to the bow shop, I'm on the phone with HHA, getting a new rest. You know, they're a marketing partner. And they sent a new rest. And, and what they're going to do is they're going to send a new rest to the bow shop. Right. And I was just grabbing one off the shelf. Right. You know? Yep. And so the bow shop, I call him and I said, hey, I'm not trying to be that guy. Um, but are you extremely backed up right now? He's like, yeah, I got about six people in here right now. I'm like, oh, I'm like, well, all right. So I'm thinking we're just going to grab the rest and we're going to do it ourselves. Right. Well, in the 30 minutes it took to get there those customers were just there picking up stuff and they left. So when I walk in, he gra- he, he knows what I'm there for. He grabs my bow, throws it on, bam. It, he presses it, gets my rest on there. You know, they've got the marks on the rest, so we were able to get me probably 95% where it should be. Right. So then I go into the range, shoot 20 and 30 yards, you know, and mm-hmm. double check, make sure that I'm completely dialed in. I have to make a, a few tweaks a, a couple of sight tweaks, um, like eighth of an inch, you know, kind right, of thing. Right. So, um, well, eighth of an inch, you know, by the target, not on the on the not sight, on the sight nothing, itself, but, right? So we get sighted in, and I'm good. We haul butt back to the lease. We get up in the tree. It's two o'clock. So we did all of this in basically an hour and a half, hour and forty five minutes. Broke my bow and got re- got it repaired and back in the tree <laughs> nice. in an hour and forty five. Get up in the tree, nothing is happening. Not no, there's no birds, there's no squirrels, and Billy's like, "Oh my man, I am so freaking sorry." Like, what if the deer were moving midday today, and we were gone, and we were jerking around, and you know, we walked into the tree stand, then we walked out of the tree stand, then we walked back in again, and you start thinking about what damage have you done for entry, exit, and all that kind of crap. And I'm like, I'm like, dude. Tomorrow's another day, man. You know, yep. no biggie. Like, I had fun this morning. That was the best day I've ever seen in the woods. You know? Yep. I, whatever. I was like, I, I'm I'm not letting this ruin my day, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, 
the old John probably would have beat himself up about it and gotten all pissed off and just had a horrible day. But I'm just like, dude, I pointed out to him. I said, man, I'm sitting in Iowa. I'm in a tree stand. I'm with my buddy. Um, we had the best morning I've ever had in my life, and I never even flung an arrow. So screw it. You know, let's rock on. So we're just committed to sitting there till dark and uh, rip off a rip off a, a, a grunt, just a blind grunt, and a buck pops out of the timber 300 yards away on the north side of this standing corn. And so we throw another grunt at him, and he's, he's like a man on, his, on a mission. He's not coming to us. Well, what we realize is what he was doing was he was going downwind of three does that were standing in this alfalfa field. He had to go scent check them first. Once he confirmed that they were not in, he literally turns 180 degrees and starts hammering directly straight back towards us where we were tending a doe, right? Mm-hmm. He comes in, and I'm like, I'm like, finally, a buck is actually going to do what he's supposed to do. He's going to come right down along this field edge and give me an 18, 20-yard shot, you know. And I'm, I'm, I'm on the D-loop. I'm ready to go, getting ready to draw. And he stops. I'm like, oh, no. Like, what are you, what are you doing? What? <laughs> you, you just need to walk five more yards in so I can kill you. He turns 90 degrees and walks into the timber. And I'm like, oh, no. And then I'm like, wait a second. He's going to walk right into that freshly cut shooting lane that was literally just cut four hours ago. <laughs> Stopped him right in the shooting, the fresh cut shooting lane, and twenty about a twenty two, twenty three yard shot. I just I had my you know I was dialed at twenty, so I just put my twenty yard pin right on him and um watched watched the luminoc zip through him, man, complete pass through liver and lung. Uh, he donkey kicks and he bolts north for about twenty yards, and then he stops. And I'm just watching his tail flick like yep. crazy. You know what I mean? Yep. And I'm like, go down, go down. And he takes a couple of steps, flips his tail, takes a couple of steps. And, and when I say flip his tail, I'm not talking about that when deer flip their tail to kind of acknowledge that everything's cool in life, you know? Right. This was flipping his tail like, oh, God, oh, God, I'm hurt, I'm hurt, I'm yep. hurt. And then I lose him. I can't see him anymore. And I can't hear anything, and I stay kneeling down on my stand. I'm like, I don't, I haven't heard him bed bed down. I haven't heard him fall over. I was thinking he'd fall over and give some, you know, some last minute kicks or whatever, you know. But I haven't heard anything, and I'm like, ah, I'm like, I don't, I don't like that. I didn't hear anything. Right. So we decide, you know what? Let's just get down and walk away. Now, in the back of my head, I'm telling myself. He's dead already, you know? Mm-hmm. I watched my shot. Like, he, I know he's dead. Um, but in the words of a, of a very good friend of mine, Shane Weist, he always says, well, if they're dead and you wait an hour, they'll just be more dead when you get there. <laughs> it sounds like something Shane would say. <laughs> yeah. So I said, uh, I was like, well, screw it, man. We'll just wait. So we went home to watch the footage and... Um, grab something to eat and we played a little trick on my wife. I was like, "Oh, it's like you got to watch this video footage of this buck that came in. Super awesome encounter." So she's sitting there watching the footage and then um she watches this buck walk into a shooting lane. 
And she's like, why didn't you shoot that buck? And then you hear me on the video go, meh. <laughs> and then the arrow smokes the, the buck. Right. And then she's like, you ass. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so she's like, I was wondering why in the heck you hadn't shot that buck yet. You know? Right. She's like, Jesus, that's a great buck. So we go, um, I'm like, well, let's, let's go ahead and head back out there. It's been about two, two and a half hours. We walk so what outside. T- before it's we go. It's snowing like crazy. What time, what time did you release your arrow? What time did this buck come in? You said you got Five back. Five o'clock. Five o'clock. Okay. Because you got back in the tree like around two-ish yep. from the bow shop and yep. stuff. And you were there for a couple hours and he comes in at five. All right. Yep. Yep. Um, which one of the reasons why I know exactly what time I shot him was one part I left out. When we came back from the bow shop, we hung a trail camera um, on a hay bale, on a round bale on the corner of this field. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just curious to see what other deer have been cruising through here. I've seen a couple of deer come out of this corner of the timber. So let's just put a camera up here and see what happens. Mm-hmm. So we, we actually got a trail camera picture of that buck. That's cool. Three minutes before I killed him. That's cool. Um, and it was, it took its picture at five Oh two. Okay. So, um, so I shot him, you know, five Oh five or something like that. So we, we go back out, um, about seven thirty. Uh, eight o'clock um, to start tracking him. And like I say, it's snowing like you wouldn't believe. Hmm. And we've got phenomenal blood. You know, there's never a gap in the blood. It's just pouring. It's what you look uh, for. Out of, you know, he's leaking on both sides. Hmm. And he went about 50 yards through the timber. And then he started angling towards the open field. And then there's no blood. Hmm. And I'm like, what the heck? Now, I don't know if you've ever had a headlamp on when it is snowing like crazy at night. Everything that you look at in the open fields looks like you're in the Starship Enterprise. Yeah, it looks like doing uh, warp speed. Yeah, it looks like you're in Spaceballs doing ludicrous speed. Exactly. Yes. Yep. So, and it's like vertigo. Like, mm-hmm. it makes me dizzy, you know, yep. like really, really dizzy. So, I, I go to look across the, the alfalfa field and I'm like, oh, I'm like, I'm going to throw up, you know? Um, (laughs) So I'm like, this is so weird. And Billy's like, ah, he probably just went along this grass and that's why we're not seeing blood. He's like, I'm going to keep walking down this way. And uh, another buddy of mine had come over to help, to help with the track. And he's standing there and I said, you know, 85, 90% of the bucks I've ever shot, they have all turned and at some point, made an attempt to go back in the direction that they came from. Right. You know, it's like when you're hurt, I want to go home. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yep. So I'm like, if that buck is starting to turn up towards this open field, and if he's doing what 85% of the bucks have done in the past, that means he's, he went across this, he, you know, he made an attempt to go across this alfalfa field. So I said, I'm going to walk across the alfalfa field. So we turn to go across the alfalfa. There he is laying 10 yards in front of us. And he's already stiff as a board covered in snow. I told Billy, I'm like, that buck was dead before we even got out of the damn tree. You know? Yep. Um, So there he was laying, slapped a tag on him. And um, I did get to bring my youngest son, Kyler, with me. So that was the first recovery uh, he's ever been on of any any deer. Um, Nice. And it's fun watching some of the footage because I couldn't really see him. Um, but the film footage, 
just seeing the smile on his face in the background, you know? Yeah. He was really digging it. That's cool, man. Dude, when you sent yep. when you sent me that text, man, I uh dude, I, I I uh I think I said holy shit John killed a hammer I think it was my response to whenever I, I yeah when I said something to Chad and I just started uh-huh. I just started laughing um, because man you've had some some crap luck like in the past like yeah. last season the beginning of this season um, and I know I know you could a decent buck last year you know at the end of the year and stuff like that but man you've had uh-huh. you've had some great deer that you've had encounters with and that you've just had some bad luck on dude and there isn't a guy that deserves to get a to put a hammer down and have that kind of hunt especially with the entire story any more than you do dude so congratulations man it's like you, you uh, deserve I appreciate it. it thank you yeah you bet man so yeah you know and that's the thing you know this is this is my third season hunting out here in iowa and um you know the first year i was out here i came to full draw on a 70 class deer and he just never presented a shot last year i had a 73 deer um, that I came to full draw on and I just ethically, I didn't like the angle. He was quartered to entirely too much, mm-hmm. um, that I wasn't willing to risk it. And both of those deer that I wasn't able to shoot, they ultimately one got poached and the other one confirmed poached, not, right. not slander poached. Like the guy got fined and everything. Right. Um, the other one, uh, got, got caught in shotgun season. Uh, yeah. Um, so that's how I know the score of that deer. Yep. But, um, yeah, man, I've, I've had some, I've had some rough luck and to me, it seems like it's really, really rough luck to other people. They may say, Oh no, that's just, you know, that shit happens to me too. Right. Um, you know, I'm a person that, uh, I, I truly believe in the, you, you make your own luck. Yep. Um, but I question that sometimes, right? Right. Um, I've always been the type of person, hey, I'm in control of my own destiny. I create my own situations. But uh, here lately, the last couple of years, I, I've had some external things that were beyond my control that I'm like, wow, what the heck, man? You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I can't believe that just happened. And um, When you almost had it again so this yeah, year, it, you almost had it again this year with your bow. I know. You know what I mean? It, it's yeah, like, yeah. I mean, with the bow situation, it, yeah, it almost lightning almost struck again. And, um, I, I don't know if, you know, I, like I said, man, I, I don't believe in, I just, I don't, I have a hard time believing in fate. Yep. Um, probably because my past, you know, law enforcement career, right. Uh, that taught me that, you know what, bad things just happen. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's all there is to it. But, um, Maybe that was, maybe that was the thing I needed to go through was somebody was testing me to see if I was willing to just nut it out, Yeah, you know, and just keep grinding and keep grinding and keep grinding. And, you know, I like to think of myself as a fighter and, um, I will take some lucky breaks whenever I get them. I can tell you that (laughs) right now. That's right, man. Well, the other thing is too, man, it's like whenever you had mentioned, you know, in like years past, like that stuff would happen. It would, it would have got you bent out of shape and, you know, made you mad, uh-huh. and, you know, kind of ruined your day and stuff like that. It's like, you know, so much of, you know, um, I kind of just kept remembering this myself when I was in the tree stand today or today, uh, uh, you know, this past, you know, past two weeks was just, mm-hmm. if, you know, if you, if you can't do anything else, be positive. Cause if you don't think you're going to kill a deer in the set that you're in, you're not going to. 
Um, and if you yeah. honestly don't feel like you're going to kill a deer that's this in the set that you're in, or you can't kill a deer in the set that you're in, then why are you in it? You know what I mean? That's so right. it's like, I tried to kind of tell myself those things. Like whenever I would start to, when it would get slow and I'd be like, man, am I in the right tree? It's like, you know, and I'd kind of question myself and be like, do you think, do you feel like you can kill a deer in this set? And I'd be like, yes, I think I can. I have, you know what I mean? So I'm like, yeah, I can. Do you think you'll see deer? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You know, yes. I think I will. You know what I mean? So I was just trying to kind of keep a positive mind frame during the, the portions where it's the grind was getting tough. Um, yeah. You know, and not let small things like, I mean, cause dude, you know, this, you know, hunting mobile and stuff like that. It's like when you go to hang a set and you're in a place where you're not familiar, it's like this, hanging a set is just a pain. It's just a pain. You know what I mean? It's just like, oh, yeah. nothing goes right. You have to end up, you know, working around branches, you know, it's like I'm on public. So it's like, I can't trim. You know what I mean? So it's like I'm trying to work around branches, trying to climb to a height that I can get a shoot, a, you know, a natural shooting lane. It's like, you know, all those things. Just it takes you longer to get in than you wanna than you want. You know what I mean? You're all sweaty when you do. You know what I mean? So it's just like all those things. Yep. Um, but you just kind of have to stay positive and just realize, dude, you're not. You know, it's hard to think about it this way, but it's like you're not going through anything different than any other bow hunters going through in whatever state you know, two states over today, you know what I mean? Like there's, we're all having very common experiences, I guess is what I'm trying to say from that standpoint. And so just keep a good attitude, yeah. man. It makes, well, makes it a lot, makes it a lot easier. You're, you're right. And I mean, yeah, we, we hear those stories about the people who, yeah, I went and hung a stand and it was the first time I'd ever sat it. I didn't have any trail camera pictures of that buck and I shot a one ninety. you know? And, right. I had my buddy's bow that he loaned me for the week, and yeah. uh, all my arrows were mixed matched in different lengths and different grains, and you know what I'm saying? Yep. And we, I think those stories stand out to us just because they are so off the wall that that's why they stand out. Um, and that's just not the norm. No. You know, I think everybody goes through a lot of struggles and, and has things. Now, I do think that... Sometimes there is things that are accidents and some that are, that are incidents, yeah. you know, accidents you can't avoid and incidents you can. Yes. Um, but the, like you said, positivity, dude, like that's the biggest thing that I'm really, really trying to work on in my life as a whole mm-hmm. is just staying more upbeat, staying more positive, um, not looking for a pity party, dude, I'm telling you a career in law enforcement is I wouldn't wish it upon my worst enemy. Right. <laughs> um, especially when you're in like a real city. Yeah. And when I say real city, I don't mean that in a derogatory way for, you know, against small towns. But right. I'm saying when you're in a city that has rapes and murders and yeah. burglars and fatalities and drugs and all that kind of stuff, you know, that are a daily occurrence or a weekly occurrence, then it just wears on you like, and you just start to get really, really jaded and cynical and it's real easy to the smallest thing happens and you're like, ah, screw it. You know what I mean? But it's taken me a couple of years to try to get removed from that. And it's something I have to tell myself every single day, you know, to try to stay positive and Mm -hmm. make the most out of it. And I'm like, ah, yeah, I'm sure this is happening to somebody else right now too. And, uh, and they got through it so I can get through it, you know? exactly man that and at the end of the day man it's deer hunting and it's supposed to be fun you know what i mean it's the other thing i yes. think we have to re- yeah, that, remind ourselves you know it's it, I, you know i think you and i you know and, and i'm sure a lot of folks out there that are listening it's like 
this type of stuff is important to us, you know, so we put a lot of time and effort and, you know, some of us, you know, spend less time, you know, or time away from our families for it and stuff like that because it's a passion that Mm -hmm. we have that we want to pursue and, you know, and it's really easy to kind of, you know, have the wrong priority or put it in it, put it, place it in its wrong priority, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And so just remembering that, you know, you know, my friendship with you or Chad or anybody, you know, isn't going to be mm-hmm. determined by the caliber of deer that I kill or don't kill, or if I see deer or Correct. I don't see deer or anything like that. It's really, inc- in, it's really insignificant in the grand scheme of things. You know, mm-hmm. I think that that's the one thing you always just kind of have to remember, you know, and I try to remember that because look, I get worked up just the same as anybody else where it's like, you know, if I'm having a bad run and, you know, and I'm not getting done what I want to get done. And it used to really bother me and I'd put pressure on myself to try to do something. And now I'm just like, you know what, I'm going to go hunt and have fun. And, and I see, and I get to see deer and that's awesome. And, you know, if I play my cards right, I might get to shoot one, you know what I mean? But sometimes, right. sometimes it doesn't work. Yeah. Sometimes it doesn't work out like that, you know? And it's like, and you have to, yep. you know, cause I know, you know, hunting with Chad and, you know, and, and being good friends with you, it's like, there's, you know, we, we each have like goals of like what we want to do, you know what I mean? As far as like the type of animal mm-hmm. we want to harvest and for different reasons. Right. And, Mm-hmm. If I stick to those goals, you know, or you do or whomever does, it's like, you know, that might just not play out because you're increasing the challenge, you know what I mean, to a degree, yeah. right? And that's not for everybody. That's not saying that, you know, my goal was to kill a three-and-a-half-year-old in Ohio, right? And mm-hmm. I saw one three-and-a-half-year-old on the hoof that I was willing to shoot and just didn't get an opportunity, right? Didn't get a shot opportunity. Mm-hmm. That's not saying that anybody who kills a two-and-a-half or a one-and-a-half that is any less of a hunter than I am. Like, that's not it at all you know what i mean if that's their goal and they achieve it then i'm happy for them you know um but for me it's like my goal is that and i'm willing to i'm willing to accept the failures if i don't achieve that goal i guess is what i'm saying and i'm and i'm comfortable with it and it doesn't ruin my hunts you know (coughs) and it's taken me a little bit of time to figure that out i guess is what i'm trying to say you know so well and you know and, and one other little part of this deal that i'll point out that was so awesome you know, filming, filming your hunts is never easy. Right. Um, and getting quality footage of your hunt, you know, is even tougher. Um, you know, a lot of times I've had people over the years that have lended a hand to run some cameras and I've had some great camera operators, um, before, and then I've had some very new camera operators and it's not a knock at them. I mean, they've always been straight up honest, as soon as we got in the tree, they're like, okay, so which one's the power button? Right. <laughs> which one's the record button? <laughs> right, know? right. And you're like, oh, this is not going to go good. <laughs> right. Um, but my buddy Billy's a good camera operator. And, and um, you know, anytime a deer comes in, I'm the type of person that when I go to reach for my bow, like I get a little nervous. Mm-hmm. If I don't reach for my bow, if the it, let's say I was not targeting a three-year-old and a three-year-old buck comes and walks right underneath my stand, it's cool and it's exciting and, and I love it, but it doesn't get my heart pumping like, oh my gosh, this is about to happen. But even if a doe walks past me and I go to reach for my bow and that trigger, that, that switch goes off or it's like, okay, I'm going to attempt to kill this deer, then I'm like... Like that's when the heart really gets pumping, you know? Yep. Um, 
so my heart was beating like crazy watching this buck run across this field licking his chops. I mean, he's putting on a show, dude. He's just licking, licking, <laughs> licking, 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 slapping his nose, you know, in his mouth, mm-hmm. back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And uh, so my heart's pumping. I'm reaching, you know, I reach for my bow. As soon as that deer started to turn into the timber, like we lost him for a split second um, when he went from the field to the timber. You know, there's like three seconds where I think Billy kind of lost him for a second. And then when he picked him right back up and focused on him, I can hear Billy over my shoulder going, I'm good. I'm good. Mm -hmm. I'm good. I'm good. And that was like so relaxing to me. Right. Where I'm like, okay, I don't have to think about the camera now. Right. All I have to worry about is my job. Because, you know, like I said, in other times, you know, I'm at full draw and I've, I've still been like, okay, hit the button that says AF on the camera. That'll focus. Like I've had to do that at full draw before. Right. Um, so I didn't have to worry about the camera stuff. I just got to be the hunter. You know what I mean? And it's almost like it wasn't a hunt that was being filmed. And then as soon as he got ready to step into the shooting lane, I hear Billy over my shoulder say, kill him. Nice. Yeah. And it wasn't take a shot at him, throw, throw carbon his direction, right? you know, come to full draw. Right. It just screw all the, all the BS, just get down to the nitty gritty of what the task at hand is. Right. Kill him. Yep. And I'm like, dude, for a split second, I turned into Rambo in the tree. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And so when I came to full draw, like there was no doubt in my mind I wasn't thinking about the buck from last November 8th. I wasn't thinking about anything. I wasn't thinking about anything other than making sure that that broadhead went right through the best part of the vitals to make the fastest, most ethical, violent kill that I possibly could. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yep. You know, and so many people are like, oh, you know, I I want to, you know, I want to. I want to harvest the animal. Right. And and I understand what people are saying by that. I understand what they're attempting to do when they say that. Yeah. Dude, it's a violent sport. Yep. You're taking a sharpened carbon steel broadhead and sending it in the direction of heart and lungs. Yep. Like you are trying to mortally wound this animal. And in doing so, you're doing it in the fastest way to cause the least suffering to the animal. I, I'm not saying that, or I'm not saying, I'm, I'm not saying that that's not what we're trying to do. Right. But at the end of the day, you're killing the animal. And to hear him just say, kill him. That was the best uh, shot of confidence that anybody could have ever given me. And it was so nice to snap out of this little funk rut that I, I had put myself in for no other reason than my own mental screwing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, a hundred percent, man. And the thing is too, it's like, it, it is what it is. I mean, it's like, we are trying to kill a deer. You know, it's called what it is. You know, it's like, there's, yep. you know, just because you call it by its rightful name, doesn't mean that it's um, any less politically correct. If, if you will. And I understand the whole harvest thing and look, and look, it's like, I'll use that term depending on the audience that I have. You know what I mean? That if I'm Correct. talking, yes. if, I'm, yep. if I'm talking to people at work about hunting or whatever, it's like I'll use the term harvest or whatever. Um, you know, if some of the public that I'm hunting around here in the suburbs and stuff like that, or you know, in suburbia, um, you know, if I run into mm-hmm. anybody and they ask me, you know, if I'm, if I'm dragging a deer out, it's like I'll, I'll even use the word dispatch. 
You know what I mean? Because that's kind of like something that's uh, that, that works oh, yeah. <laughs> that I've that I've learned. Uh-huh. Um, but you know, whenever we're on you know our show here and, and I'm talking to other hunters, it's like we're trying to kill deer. That's that's the goal. That's the, that's, that's what we're trying to get get done. Doesn't mean that we respect them any less, and it doesn't mean that we want to make it you know as as quick and as lethal as we possibly can. Um, yeah, but that's the job at hand. Well, the the respect part comes from the hours of practice. Yep. The hours of tuning your bow, um, weighing weighing our arrows, double checking our arrows, double checking the veins, making sure that we have a very sharp uh, broadhead that's tightened down all the way to the arrow. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the, that's where the respect comes from for the animal is to make sure that we can do the most ethical and have the fastest kill we can possibly make. Um, yeah, so it's like I said, man, it, it was just one of those things, man, when, you know, uh, and, and he afterwards, he's like, man, he's like, when we watched it on the playback, he's like, uh, he's like, hey, he's like, um, surely, you know, you can, you can, you know, you can edit that out or whatever. I'm like, edit it out? I'm like, no, that's staying on the video footage. Right. That's staying there. I might even do, I might even close caption it at the bottom of the screen, too. Right. Yeah. So he's like, really? And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, dude, you have no idea. I went from a hundred, like stress level of a hundred to zero when you said that. Right. So I said, no, that's, that's staying in there. Um, and it shows that it wasn't just me, you know, it was a, it was a team effort, um, you know, up in the tree making that happen. So super, super awesome. So not that it, not that it matters, but I'm curious if you put tape on this guy. I did not. You did not. Um, I meant to. Um, I don't get really, really, really hung up on score. I mean, if if I shot like a 180-inch buck, I, I, I'll be honest. I'm probably going to want to put a tape to him. You know what I mean? Right, right. But, um, you know, eventually I always get around to throwing a tape on him at some point just, just for my own curiosity. Yeah, yeah. Um, and... We, uh, Billy and I did some photos the next morning. Mm-hmm. We were, we were both so tired talking about grinding and hustling yeah. and whatnot. We, after that night, we both came home and I, I think I was on one couch. He was on another and we were attempting to watch sports center and <laughs> I, both of us were just out, right. you know, it was like nine thirty. Right. But, um, so the next day, um, I, he, we took some photos and then he had to leave. He was heading down to Missouri to go on a rifle hunt. He had never been on a rifle hunt before. So he went to go do that and um so he left and then i'm like oh how exhausting i was like man that's amazing and then of course you know i'm getting the congratulatory texts and messages and i was trying my damnedest to make sure that i responded to every single person you know thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you you know it's very right very appreciative that other people were happy about my success um and then the taxidermist was like hey i'm gonna be here if you want to go ahead and bring that thing on up here I'm like, heck yeah, let's go ahead and do it. So I went ahead and caped him real fast, and, and I'm not a taxidermist, so I cape up to the chin mm-hmm. uh, or the, the base of the chin and neck, and then I stop. You know, right. I let him do the eyes and do all that stuff. Right. Um, so I, th- I threw him in my truck, and I hauled to the taxidermist, dropped him off. I got home, and one of my buddies from back home, he called me. He's like, hey, he's like, what did he score? I'm like, dang it, I never did score him. <laughs> um, if I had to guess, I'm going to guess him to be somewhere like 145 to 152. Right. Nice. Yeah, he's a great deer. Somewhere in that vicinity. Yeah, he's a great deer, man. I mean, 
yeah it was uh and he's just he's i don't know man like he just seems very symmetrical and even and just pretty you know what i mean like whenever you yeah, when yeah he's a real pretty buck he he had very very impressive g3s yes he did. Uh, his g2s were a little weak um but his g3s were just phenomenal phenomenal threes and um you know and it's funny too because when i saw him from a distance he looked like a – I couldn't see his antlers that well, you know, from 300 yards away. Right. But even with binos, I'm like, well, he's a four-year-old. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I never really looked at the antlers anymore. I'm like, he's a he's a mature buck. He's coming this way. He's licking his chops. He's putting on a show. Um, I told Billy, I said, when he stepped into the shooting lane and I came to full draw, if he would have been a 100-inch deer, he was still going to die. Yep. <laughs> well, it just it, – it had all the – had all the things, man. It was the full experience. You know what I mean? Yep. It's uh Yep. So so Heck, the fact that he was a rack buck, that was a bonus. Right. He was a four year old that was gonna die. Yeah. So, period. So you have, you know what I mean? Exactly. So you yep. you, have, so, you have a couple other tags left in Iowa, right? I do, I do. Um so I have my landowner's archery tag. Um and I can only harvest <laughs> I can only harvest a buck on my personal ground. So right. I, it ha- I have to do the killing on 22 acres here. Yep. Um, and then I have a late season archery Iowa tag that comes in after shotgun season, which can be a, it can be an easy tag to fill with a muzzle loader on a standing bean field. Mm-hmm. It can be a pretty tough tag to fill. Um, without food, without a food source, mm-hmm. and the and the fact that it's just so daggone cold, you know, right after December fifteenth. So that tag is good, like December sixteenth through like January January eighth or ninth or something like that. You know, it's about right. three weeks. Right. Okay. Um, I have um, this. This came together last minute totally last minute I had no idea I was going on this until about three weeks ago I am going to an outfitter in Illinois I've never been to an outfitter before in my life um, it's not an outfitter where the guide sits in the tree with you they literally show you a map and show you where all the tree stands are and you know you pick your tree stand and that's that's where you go hunt that day right um, but it is a hunt through through Sitka uh, Sitka is sending myself and another one of the uh, Sitka ambassadors, uh, Brock Bolt, from Wisconsin. Uh, they're sending us to West Central uh, Illinois, a place called Performance Outdoors. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go there and hunt November 20th through November 26th. Nice. Um, come home for a few days. And uh, at the start of Iowa's shotgun season, I can't legally hunt so none of my tags are valid my landowner's tags not valid no archery tag is valid whatsoever during shotgun season um even if you want to even if you're willing to wear orange or not Hmm. doesn't matter um so during that time frame i can either sit at my house and go crazy and wonder about what the shotgun guys are doing right or i can just get out of the area completely and i'm heading down to south texas on a no fence um, chunk of ground down there, and I'm going to try my luck at spot and stock rattling with a bow. Nice. Yeah, I remember so, you. I remember you calling me and telling me about the Illinois hunt. That's going to be a cool hunt, man. They got some hammers out there for sure. 
And then that Texas hunt's going to yeah. be pretty cool, yeah. man. It's going to be different, you know, so that'll be. I've just, I've never hunted with an outfitter. I don't know what to expect. Um, there was a time frame in my life where I was like, I'll never go do an outfitted hunt, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and very naive of me when I first got into hunting, I thought all outfitters were what I saw on TV, right. which was Texas plantation, high fence ranches. You know what I'm saying? Right. I thought that's what an outfitter was, was like a preserve. Yep. Um, so I was like, I'll never go do that. But, um, you know, if it's, if it's a hundred percent free range, um, you know, heck yeah, I'll go. Yeah. I'm the same way, man. It, it's like, I'm at that point where, you know, I, I don't really have a lot of interest in, 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 in doing it. If it if there was an opportunity to, I would totally go, you know what I mean? Um, sure. Um, the one place I would consider, um, is just our buddy, Donnie Wilson, you know, out in, out in Ohio, yep. out in Adams County, you know, and he's a, the head. I want to hunt. I, I want to go hunt that place so bad. I was actually thinking, I was like, man, I thought, how cool would it be if you and I actually went and did a hunt with Donnie t- together to go do that in Ohio? That would be rad. I was actually thinking that on this trip. I was like, man, I was like, I'd like to go out there and get John and see if we could actually get in out there one year at the same time. It'd be kind of cool because they kill some giants out yep. there, man. They kill hammers every year. Um, well, and not only that, not only is the area very conducive for growing big deer, um, but Donnie's a phenomenal deer hunter, yeah. uh, a phenomenal bow hunter. Yeah. Um, he's really good at locating big, uh, big buck bedding areas and big buck travel corridors and yeah. stuff like that. So, um, I would love to go hunt with him. I mean, I think they've got about a 25 to 30% success rate, mm-hmm. um, you know, going out there, um, which, on a on a free range non high fence uh, trophy area like that mm-hmm. where there are some biggins running around, yep. that's actually really good. Yeah. You know. Oh yeah. And and guys have seen a lot more deer. I'm I'm talking to probably 25, 30, 35 percent success. Yeah. Um, encounter percentage is way high. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. No, they they definitely have some some hammers out there. Last year. That public I was hunting was not too far away from where um, they're at. And actually, Chad actually just sent me a picture that a buddy has sent him from uh, that same piece of public we were hunting last year. He was he was there this year and killed just a freaking hammer. I mean, his his tines look like baseball bats. Like literally, each one of his tines yep. looked like one of those little Louisville Slugger baseball bats. Like that much girth, like all the way out. It's kind of ridiculous. So they definitely grow big deer down there. And the it's you know it's significant hill country. Super thick, nasty, you know, deep, you know, deep hollows and steep ridges. Um, everything yep. that you'd want and, you know, or a buck would want to, to grow old and, and, and get big. But my plan, man, is really I'm going to continue to grind it out here in PA, um, get after these swamp deer, try to figure them out because they've, they've managed to disappear. So I got to figure out what my plan is in, in the swamp. Um, and then, like I said earlier, I'm going to head back out to Ohio over Thanksgiving and, Try my hand at trying to catch up to the to the big one that I had on on camera here before their shotgun season comes in. You know, it'll be that Monday after I leave, so I'll hunt. I think whatever it is, the twenty sixth, seventh, or something like that. Um, the Friday, Saturday, Sunday after Thanksgiving, and then that Monday the their shotgun season comes in. So that's my that's my game plan, man. And hopefully we can have a twofer. Hopefully we'll both kill kill deer this year. It'd be nice. Oh heck yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah, man. I'm you know I, I'm. Uh... 
I feel like the best part of the season is it's really just getting going, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I'd be lying if I didn't say that I was hoping my Kentucky hunt turned out a little differently this year, but hey, it is what it is. Right. Um, yeah, I'm, but, uh, I'm interested to, to do that hunting over Thanksgiving just because I know that that's actually a time frame that I've heard Don Higgins talk about that's his, actually his favorite time to hunt. If he's going to hunt the rut, he prefers that like second half of the rut when the way, the way he kind of described it. And I'd love to have him on at some point and to kind of talk about this, but Mm -hmm. is, um, you know, those first set of does cycle in whatever time, like, you know, at the beginning, first week of November start, they start to cycle in depending on what their breeding dates are, the different doe families and stuff like that. And, you know, what he says is that like that, um, Thanksgiving time frame is really like that 30-ish days post the first cycle when they should be when the early does should be starting to cycle back in. And so, but now your doe population that is breedable is much smaller because a yep. portion of those does who came in when they all came in in their first cycle got bred in the first cycle. So now the competition for them is that much higher and then you know like what he talks about is that's when the big deer really get active because now it's like there are only a handful of does and they really have to move now to find them, you know? So, um, yeah, I'm interested to see what happens. I'm, I'm curious to see if like aggressive tactics work any better. So it's like this grunting work even better during that time frame. Does rattling work even better during that time frame? So it's, for me, it's going to be, li- I've got, um, I've got a couple of guys in Iowa that have always told me, November 15th to November 22nd Mm -hmm. is their favorite seven day block of the entire season. Really? Hmm. Uh Uh-huh. Interesting. Yeah. We'll have to talk about that, uh, prior to next year before I book my, uh, my trip to, uh, to come out so I can pick the right handful of weeks to, uh, come out. I can, I can tell you November 8th, um, that's two years in a row. November eighth has been crazy for me. So yeah, um, November eighth will be very, a very very hard day to for me not to have in my you know in my top top days. Yeah, for, um, but yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see how this year plays out too. For sure, I always like you know I've had good action. I guess you could say um, the third through like my favorite. I guess seven day stretch is like the third through the tenth is usually, yep. you know, the, the time frame that I like, but all right, man. Well, I think with that, man, I think we can go ahead and wrap this bad boy up. We got some buck stories. We got some grinding it out. We got some plans for yep. both you and I for the, for the rest of the rut and the, the, the rest of the mm-hmm. season, as long as it takes me. So help me God, I'll be in a tree stand <laughs> and, uh, hopefully get something done. And, uh, hopefully we'll have some more good, good deer stories as we continue to go through the, uh, to the deer season. So congratulations again, brother. It, I'm happy for you. Um, Thank you. And, uh, Appreciate it. and I'm sure you and I'll be talking, but good luck in, in Illinois and, uh, and Texas. Yep, for sure. Thank you very much. And likewise, get something down, get something ground checked here. I'm going to try to chew them. <laughs> chew them. <laughs> chew them. All right, that's it. We're out. All right, folks, that is a wrap for today's show. We'd, of course, like to thank all of you for listening. And if you haven't yet, please head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating. And be sure to subscribe to the podcast so we can continue to deliver each one of these episodes directly to your mobile devices. We'd be super appreciative. 
If you would do those two things for us and help while you're at it, why don't you go ahead and give us a follow on Instagram. Before we shut this thing down, we need to give a big shout out to our partners that continue to help us make this podcast possible. Wicked Tree Gear, Exodus Outdoor Gear, Trophy Ridge, Ozonics, Obsession Bows, Tecamani Seed, Glacier Coolers, Ramcat Broadheads, Trophy Taker Rests, and Dead Down Wind. And until next time, we'll see y'all. I could show you through the door I ain't welcome anymore Long time coming if it's all It takes a special no one to call a fall Damaged heads, broken letters Rationalize yourself in numbers But I All right, gang, the new Truth merch is in stock at truthfromthestand.com and on YouTube below any of the Truth From The Stand videos. I've got some new hats, beanies, t-shirts, long sleeve t-shirts, and sweatshirts. There's even a new do hard shit hat for those of us who like to embrace microdosing adversity. So head to truthfromthestand.com and check out the new gear and use the code TRUTH, T-R-U-T-H, and save yourself some cash on the new gear.